When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. When you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs. That can be a lot of money. But are your bills accurate? It's estimated over 50% of medical bills contain errors. HealthLock can help. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. To save, visit HealthLock.com today. Hey, welcome to Beyond the Scenes, the daily show podcast that goes a little deeper into segments and topics that have already aired on the daily show. This, this is what you got to think about this podcast. Like, this is what this podcast is. All right. So you work out, right? You exercise and you got all that intensity with the workout after your workout, right? You know, you do a little light cardio, you do some stretches, that, that, that milkshake, you know, whatever that muscle milk stuff is with the ice cream you have after you had that muscle milk protein shake. That's what this podcast is. Today, we're diving into a topic that correspondent Dulce Sloan discussed in a segment that we call Dulce Saying. In that particular episode, Dulce talked about the history of the strong black woman. Roll the clip. Now, you may be wondering, what is a strong black woman? It's the idea that black women are emotionally resilient, naturally selfless, too proud to ask for help, and can succeed with no resources. So basically every character played by Viola Davis. The irony is the strong black woman stereotype was started by black women to combat all the negative ones. See, in the aftermath of slavery, there were really only two stereotypes of black women. You were either some sex temptress Jezebel or a mammy who was just there to smother people in her booze. In response, black suffragette Mary Church Terrell coined the strong black woman motto, listing as we climb. And I get what she was going for, but lift as we climb? Even bodybuilders don't do both at the same time. You can't expect a black woman to do more than Schwarzenegger in his prime. Today, to talk about this topic, you cannot talk about the strong black woman without having strong black women on the program. Uh, one of those is a Daily Show deep dive producer. She is a many, many guests on this show. Many, many, many appearances. Chelsea Williamson. Chelsea, how you been? I've been good. How are you, Roy? I am I'm very well. I'm anxious to push back from the table and let you two wonderful women take this conversation away because as a man, I'm going to be quiet and listen. <laughs> <laughs> also with us um, to talk about this, and I'm very excited to have this person on the show because, you know, she is a television and movie producer and writer, and a lot of the content that she creates is about putting Black Women in a Positive Light. She wrote the movie Girls Trip, creator and writer and EP of First Wives Club. And right now she is the creator and showrunner of the show Harlem on Amazon Prime, which explores the journey of black women through life. Tracy Oliver, 
thank you so much for coming on to talk to us about how this stereotype affects black women today. Of course. Thank you guys for having me. I'm really <laughs> excited about this. I'm sorry if my excitement is throws you off a little bit, but I do like like there's just certain people that when we talk about their journey as a creative, there's a bit of a North Star to you. Like people make shows and you can make a show. You can write any show. You've done a lot of stuff that does not exist in the realm of black womanhood. Mm-hmm. But every now and then you, you you keep coming back to that well. And I would love to know why that is. Um, I think there's a lot of reasons for it. I think that for me, writing is kind of therapeutic. And I always kind of thought of myself as like a writer slash activist. And so what I mean by that is I don't necessarily like to write just to write or just to make money. I like to write something that has a purpose behind it or there's imagery or something about it that I feel like is missing in the conversation that I want to have a hand in exploring or bringing to the masses. But yeah, I mean, I always felt like growing up, I didn't see enough representation of black women and I just wanted to figure out a way to, to write and produce it and to make that stuff possible. And the first thing I, I think I ever did in the industry was Awkward Black Girl with, with Issa Rae. And that was literally a result of not getting meetings and not getting any traction when we were trying to <laughs> make this a show ourselves. And so we were like, okay, I guess we'll you know, somehow put it together and put it online and and make it happen. And so for me, writing about black women is just kind of a necessary thing. I, it's about passion for me. It's about showing different aspects of, of life and womanhood that I didn't see. So it feels necessary and like kind of a requirement for me in that way. Wonderful. Like first, then, then let's go back a little bit then, uh, Chelsea, the, the, the stereotype of the strong black woman, Explain that for our listeners who don't necessarily know that type. We know this is a family mm-hmm. conversation, but for the right. folks that don't, that you know, let's give them the backstory. Explain the stereotype and also why you and Dulce wanted to kind of start pulling at this thread on the show. Yeah, so the strong black woman stereotype actually came as a way to combat other negative black uh, woman stereotypes, such as. The idea of the Jezebel, which is like the overtly sexual black woman that we used to see a lot in media. The Mammy character character trope, which we also used to see a lot in media where, you know, she's dehumanized, desexualized, just constant nurturer, a larger, darker skin, typically black woman. Um, that was very common, especially in the earliest part, earlier part of the 20th century. And also the sapphire stereotype, which we now have coined as the angry black woman stereotype. They're pretty much the same. So the strong black woman was actually, the stereotype was created by black women as a way to combat these previous stereotypes. And it was basically the idea that black women are strong, we're resilient, um, we can do it all. And so it was meant to be a counteraction. And then kind of what ended up happening is that as tends to happen, it was taken all the way to the extreme, um, which has now had some different effects than, you know, I think the ladies. Save us black women. Right. (laughs) Definitely the ladies that created it were not, you know, thinking of. um, But, you know, that that happens sometimes. And in terms of, you know, why did Dual say and I want to bring it up? I think it's something that we see is so pervasive now, like. More than I think a lot of the other stereotypes that I mentioned, you see strong black women a lot, like in film and in TV. Um, 
and and just the idea of like the black woman's always there and she's gonna save everybody and especially if you have a white girlfriend like she's going to be like the best black girlfriend that she's ever had and give her a pep talk and you know we all know the help you know she's strong <laughs> when you're kind you're important you know so we we've seen it's it all smart. over so if oh. yes exactly you're smart so we've seen it all over so it felt like something that was important to kind of um get to the root of and and find out where is it where did it come from and then where is it going Tracy, does it present a positive, like, does does that term strong black woman, is there any positive connotations of that term? You know, because, you know, I understand what Chelsea's saying is that, mm-hmm. all right, this was to be a compliment. This was to make sure that, hey, we're not just those negative things. And then society went, okay, well, take on all the, pro- oh, we have Katanji Brown Jackson in the Supreme right. Court. Fix everything right now, sister. So I know that it could be we've approached the space of it being overbearing to a degree, but is there anything positive with this stereotype? You know, not to like totally, you know, say bad <laughs> things about it. I think that there's something awesome to explore in our resilience and our discipline and our determination. And I do actually think that black women have to be strong to to exist in like a professional space and exist in a lot of white spaces. There's a lot of like, I think, meaning to the strong black woman that's true. And I do actually think that the positive side of it is that it encapsulates like all of the things that we kind of go through on a day-to-day basis that people may not know that we're dealing with. Like we're showing up and we're being strong no matter what, or we're, we're working hard and holding down, you know, kids and stuff. And there's just a lot of different things that go into existing as a black woman every day that I think does make the strong black woman trope accurate. But I do think there's a downside to it as well. And I think that we're in a space now where it's time to kind of deconstruct that and to allow people to not be strong is I think really important for us as well. I guess this is, you know, for both of you all, but is there a, I'm trying to think of the tactful way to say this, but when we talk about this phrase going from something that's being inspiring and motivating to something that's a little more negative and harmful, how much do you all think that this phrase has contributed to an ideology in society that black women can be, that black women can be society's emotional pack mules? In the sense that, well, let them handle it. They can deal with it. It's not a big deal. Oh, I'm a doctor. You a black woman in pain? Oh, you a strong black woman. You can deal with that pain. There's no need to run extra tests to find out what the actual problem is with you. How much do you think this phrase has empowered people to just be ignorant to, you know, the load that a black woman has to carry every day? Yeah, I definitely think that the downside to what Tracy was saying is really just like the dehumanization aspect and it's just that people then only see you as a a thing like you're you're just a strong thing you're not a person and I think that's where it gets into trouble to your point Roy like you know it has been proven that black women get worse medical treatment um and like I know we've all seen with like when Serena Williams had her beautiful daughter Olympia and she said that she told the doctors that she felt something was wrong they weren't listening to her and then she ended up having a blood clot and that happens all the time you know for women who aren't famous as well and Black women die very often because of maternal reasons, like having children. And I think this plays into that because 
we're not believed and we're not listened to and people think that we have a tougher, thicker skin. Um, so there's definitely, you know, a load with that. And then we also just have to carry all of the network stress as well, which is, you know, the idea that we're carrying the stress of others that are just in our general network, whether that's our family, our friends. And that really does affect black women even more. And we are also less likely than especially white women to seek mental health help. So it definitely is one of those stereotypes that also like very much plays into other aspects of our lives. Yeah, I mean, I totally agree with all of that stuff. I, you see the effects with mental health, especially. Um, I think in professional spaces where Black women, a lot of us are reared to not show emotions. And so if you're going through something toxic at work, you know, I've, I've literally seen some of my white colleagues kind of like get to emote and scream and holler and cry and, and behave like that. But we know that they can sometimes get away with that stuff and not be deemed angry or not be deemed unprofessional. And we kind of have to keep it together, even though we're subjected to the same stresses that they are. It requires like more strength for for us to kind of like present in this way, but it doesn't mean internally we're not going through stuff. So I think all of that, the pressure that builds up inside when you're not allowed to emote, when you're not allowed to be vulnerable and to be truthful about the everyday you know stresses that we're all dealing with, that's when you start to get into suicidal stories and you hear about people who are, are high functioning, um, you know, depressed people. And that's because I can relate to this because I've been there. You can train yourself to kind of function and, and do the job that is asked of you and just suppress your emotions. And you're not really actually dealing with what's happening internally. And so eventually, if you don't get mental health, help, you can snap and you can break from all of that, um, that, that stress and trauma that we're kind of dealing with. And another thing that I think um, is interesting, I think it factors into relationships and dating and, and marriage and all of that stuff. Um, I think that there's, sorry, Roy, but there, <laughs> there are men, not you, but there are men that don't allow women to be weak either or to be vulnerable. You know, we're supposed to be strong in relationships and keep the family together and, and, and keep it together for the kids. And we put all of this pressure on women to just be strong for everybody. And I even see it in pop culture a lot too. You know, it's, it's just this idea that the white characters can be three-dimensional and fully realized. And then, you know, a Viola Davis pops in and like can just save the day and doesn't have all of the, the nuances and the, and, the, and the layers, you know, written out for her character sometimes. Like she has to be strong for everybody else, even in the help, you know? So it's like, you see that I think pop culture feeds into this like idea that we're just magical and we're gonna pop in and save everybody. And half the time, the black women don't even have powers. Y'all got to do it right. the old-fashioned right. way with grit and even the black yeah. men are just a <laughs> little mad. We're a little bag of vans with it, but Viola Davis just got to do it herself. Right. <laughs> After the break, I want to talk a little bit more about the projects that you've created, specifically Harlem, and the way that you've crafted a show that pushes against a lot of those stereotypes. And I also want to talk about some of the ways that that stereotype integrates into the subconscious of television consumers without them even noticing it. It's beyond the scenes. We'll be right back. The wait is over. The shy is back on Paramount Plus and the stakes have never been higher. 
Everything changes on the South Side when a new threat comes to power in the Showtime original series from Emmy winner Lena Waithe. Battle lines will be drawn, alliances will shift, and danger lies around every corner, leaving everyone to wonder who they can trust. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash shot to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com news. That's LifeLock.com news to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Let's talk about Harlem. Now, this is a television show that, you know, when you look at some shows that, you know, really get into the trauma and heartache of what black women go through, this show is just straight up breath of fresh air. You got four black women friends in Harlem living their lives, going about their business. Talk first about the importance of that, but also, you know, I'm like, this is now we're getting inside baseball, right? All right, you create a show that's black and it's speaking to the black experience, but sometimes these shows are viewed and given notes by producers that may not have lived that experience and may not completely understand everything that you're speaking to or pushing back against. What are some of the ways that negative stereotypes about black women traditionally seep into media and did you find yourself pushing back against those types of creative notes if not with Harlem just at any point from awkward black girl with Issa Rae until now have you ever had to push back against that type of stuff to make sure that you create the type of content that is like what Harlem is oh oh boy yes um Uh oh. I, I had to let out the black girl sigh on that. But yeah, that's that's happened I think my entire career. It's um it's something that I think most black creators unfortunately struggle with because again, you are dealing with mostly non-black executives who don't know your experiences and also have an idea of blackness that they that they're interested in that may not be what you're interested in. The weird thing that I will say is that there's kind of a fascination with black pain and poverty mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. I feel like that's what they get really excited about. Poverty. So, yeah. And so you come in and you're like, yeah, these black girls, you know, they like sex and they like cocktails and they're like, oh, okay, but get to the, the part where they're shot by cops. And the, I'm like, is it in the game? <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> no, she's ridiculously successful. It's making good. She's making. She has a good career. Yeah, yeah, but you know, is there a gun? Right. 
Yeah, they're wondering when the gun will appear or, you know, is, is Megan's mom a crack mom? Like, it's like always just something that you're like, no, I thought they could just be normal on some level. Like it doesn't have to be this like hyper like traumatized painful situation like I, I think that we can have shows that just show people like having fun and falling in love and and I think within that show and that's why we wanted to do the strong black woman episode you can do something that highlights a part of of blackness that may not be all fun but it was important to me and it's always important to me to show that we are a happy joyful group of people and that we we love and we live life and have a lot of amazing positive moments so i don't want to just focus on um painful stuff the strong black woman episode break that one down uh for people who haven't seen the, uh, the series yet so the Strong Black Women episode kind of focuses on just our four main characters and they're, you know, four black women. And so they're all kind of dealing with their version of a painful thing. And what's kind of funny about it is that they're not really opening up to each other, even about some of the stuff that's happening until like it, they're all kind of forced to in this like hospital room together. I was in therapy. I just got your message. Uh, no worries. It's all good. You're in a hospital bed. It is not all good. I cannot believe that she needed surgery when that asshole doctor wouldn't even give her a fucking pain pill yesterday. Yesterday? <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Oh, ma'am. You know it's bad when Ty is crying. I never thought I'd see the day. I'm sorry, y'all. I'm trying to be strong, but this shit is scary. Oh, honey, why are you trying to be strong in a hospital bed? Yeah, being strong is so overrated. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. I'm sorry. There's just, there's a lot going on. Everybody stop apologizing. Yes. Oh. Why do we always have to be the ones who apologize for oh. burning? Oh, I am sick of this shit, Gwen, you're the only one of us who's not a mess. That's not true. I am a mess. Oh. And I'm just not allowed to talk about it. You know, with the queer character, Ty, we decided to give her, um, you know, the fibroids issue. And that's something that disproportionately affects black women. And I didn't even know that. That came up through a writer in my writer's room. And, you know, she was dealing with the fibroids issue and I was fascinated by it. And then, of course, um, went just like the character went to the hospital, was told to take some pain medicine and kind of dismissed and then ended up passing out. And then, you know, later found out it was a, a ruptured ovarian cyst and it could have been, you know, very, very like catastrophic for her had she not gone to the hospital at that point. That conversation kind of led me to just this idea of like black pain and how people look at us and think that, you know, we're stronger than everybody else and that we have a, a high pain tolerance. And for some reason, there's just a lack of empathy when we go to, you know, doctors or, or to medical centers. It's like, for whatever reason, you can look at a white woman in pain and somehow relate to it and, and empathize with it. But with a black person, they kind of more often than not um, send you home with just regular pain medicines. And we use the toughest, you know, character as far as 
you know, how she presents on the outside to be the most vulnerable in this one because we wanted to kind of make a point with that. But yeah, we just, we're exploring mental health. We're exploring um, issues in the workplace that, that go awry. And then on the other end, with one of our characters, we're just kind of exploring, like, when you are going through something at work and it's driving you crazy and it's like taking its toll on you on the inside, but you can't do anything about it because you might lose your job. So <laughs> it's just a lot of stuff that we were like, they're, well, they're different versions of pain. What was what was interesting about that episode to me, also with that character, Ty, is that, you know, she's a member of the LGBTQ plus community. And so you have this queer woman that is still dealing with issues that affect all women. And mm-hmm. I think that sometimes when we look at when we look at that community, it's easy sometimes, especially as a straight man, hetero man, to disassociate queerness and LGBTQ issues from feminine or woman. It, like somehow it's just it's you what you are also woman, too. You have yep. fibroid. It- I had the surgery, so I'm all good. Right. I mean, I know this going to be recovery time. Unfortunately, not quite. That cyst was just the tip of the iceberg. You have several medium and large fibroids and a polyp on your uterine lining. The good news is that we can take care of everything at once with a hysterectomy. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Damn, that's a bit drastic, don't you think? Of course it is. Well, I get the feeling you're not interested in giving birth. And it really is the easiest and most effective treatment. <sighs> easiest for who? Just because I'm masked doesn't mean I'm not a woman. And nobody asked you for your feelings. That would be the rest of your labs. Hang on. I am so sorry, Ty. So it's so many boxes that are beautifully checked and layered. And to that point, Chelsea, what 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 did y'all leave out of this segment? Because. Tracy just broke down in one episode about eight different boxes <laughs> that women be going through in one episode with one character. Where what like when it's time to edit mm-hmm. the script before you even go out and shoot with Dulce, how did you all start going? Okay, well, which things can we not educate folks about? Yeah, I feel like that's always the hardest thing, isn't it? It's just editing down. Um, I feel like with this one we probably didn't get as much into the real life effects as we could have um, because again we only have so much time but to what Tracy and I were speaking about earlier is this really does have tangible um, effects on black women and is not solely just like a trope that is just kind of there in media but doesn't actually exist in real life so I feel like we didn't get as much into that but you know like the strong black woman trope or the superwoman myth, uh, I feel like they're about the same thing, really does negatively affect a lot of black women. And I would say to a degree, the negatives almost outweigh the positives, in my opinion, um, of it, just because, you know, we are more likely to have higher blood pressure and just, you know, be stressed out to my earlier point. And, you know, just all of these things, we're just not as cared for and the empathy is not there to Tracy's point. Wish we could have gotten into that a little bit more into the mental health aspect of it and how that's such a big part as well. Tracy, how do people, well, you know what, I'm gonna I'm gonna save that question for after the break because I, I, I do wanna look forward in the ways that, you know, not just black women can contribute to the betterment of black women. You know, I, I do need to ask a couple questions as a black man. I do also want to ask 
what are things that black women can do to facilitate their own humanization in the face of people that do not see them as equal, like not just with the doctor, but also with the workplace and, you know, can I touch your hair? And, you know, know, how do I say no to you trying to touch my hair and still keep my job? And, you know, things like that. After after the break, I want to ask about that. And then I'm going to beg you to put me in a cameo role on Harlem. Beyond the scenes, we'll be right back. (laughs) (laughs) The wait is over. The shy is back on Paramount Plus and the stakes have never been higher. Everything changes on the South Side when a new threat comes to power in the Showtime original series from Emmy winner Lena Waithe. Battle lines will be drawn, alliances will shift, and danger lies around every corner, leaving everyone to wonder who they can trust. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash TheShot to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash iHeart. That's lifelock.com slash iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Welcome back to Beyond the Scenes. We are talking about the stereotype of the strong black woman in ways that, you know, we can change that perception that just because you are strong doesn't mean that someone needs to be walking up on you and testing your strength on a regular basis. Uh, Madam Oliver, what are the tactful ways that black women who are dealing with microaggressions and the types of things that we've talked about so far on this episode, that they can swerve and dodge that type of stuff without making a big ruckus at work or is a ruckus inevitable for people to respect you? Hmm. That's a tricky one. I would say, I would say setting boundaries is really, really important. And I think when I was first starting out, I didn't know how to do that because I always felt like I needed to be a people pleaser or I needed to just say yes to be liked and to get ahead in that way. You know, I don't want to make anyone upset. And so even if something made me uncomfortable, if I didn't want to actually like socialize outside of work with a certain person, I would be like, okay, sure, let's do drinks. I guess I have to. And now I'm just kind of like, yeah, if I don't want to do something, I try to set a boundary and just say, you know, this will not work for me or I'm not interested in that, but thank you so much. And so and it, it takes practice, but setting boundaries in a polite way is really, really helpful. And 
unfortunately, because I've had a lot of conversations with people about this, because they'll say, but you're in a different position now than you used to be. So of course you can set boundaries and you now and you couldn't before. And so I do want to acknowledge that that is part of the issue is that I think there are way too many people that use their power and privilege to force people into toxic situations and into bullying and all kinds of, you know, inappropriate situations at work. And it is hard when you don't have, you know, that power and privilege to get out of those situations. So I don't want to make light of that because it is, it's very difficult to navigate when you're first starting out. Um, But I will say if there's any way to, set any kind of boundary against something that is deeply offensive to you or have allies in the workplace and make sure you always have, you know, a friend present or somebody with you that can vouch for a situation. Because unfortunately, when it's a he said, she said thing, sometimes you do need another person. Or if someone makes you uncomfortable, you can just figure out ways of never being isolated or alone with that person. So I would just always be like conscious of these things at work and, and, and try to make it pleasant. And I will say this, um, I wish I could say the show, but I, I wrote for a show years ago that was by far the most toxic work environment I've ever seen in my life. It was so toxic. I was only a woman in the room and it was so toxic that all the men even were like, this is bad. <laughs> and, they, <laughs> and they were even like, I feel so sorry for you because I feel sorry for myself. So I know this is really awful for you. And there was one day in particular that I was being targeted because I, it was like, I would literally every day, it was like, you just had to take shots every day. And they were doing sex jokes or they're, they're like you're pitching ideas for an episode and they're like striking it down and telling you don't talk like. Yeah. Calling you names, yelling in your face, saying that's stupid, cursing at you just. And so it was an environment that's hard to pitch in because you're you're nervous. You're, you're like, you have all this anxiety and you're like, I hope I don't mess up. And whenever you get like that, whenever someone's created an environment where you're kind of set up to fail, it's kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy at that point. Cause you start spiraling cause you're just afraid in that environment. And so I remember there was one day, cause I've been doing the show for months and we were almost done too. I was like two weeks away from finishing and I am not even going to, I'll just keep it real. I snapped. I did. I couldn't take it anymore. And I remember this one black guy in the room said, walk with me. And we went outside the building and we just took a walk. And he was like, you got two more weeks. Don't do it. And he was like, it's just not worth it. And mm. like, without that talk, I mean, cause he, he, he saw it escalating and so he literally was like, I'm going to pull you out of this and physically grab me out of the room. And um, I say that because, yeah, I was bottling up a lot of like anger and resentment and it just kind of exploded. And what he said to me was that they're not going to own what they did to you. You're going to be the black girl that the angry black girl that blew up in the room. So mm-hmm. don't go out like that. Like you've been you know, exemplary this entire time, you have two weeks left, 
just ride it out. Don't, you know, you're almost at the finish line, but it, it took everything in me to get back in my seat and continue working. And I finished, you know, the two weeks, but yeah, those, those jobs are really hard. And that's why I think you do need allies. You know, it's, it's a, and if you don't have allies and you have a toxic work environment, I think you got to look for a new job. Like, because what you don't want to do is ruin your own mental health. It's not worth hmm. it. Like it just, it really isn't. So what you're saying is that you did not go to the rap party for this particular show. Oh, no, I'm getting my drinks now. <laughs> <laughs> I earned those drinks. <laughs> Chelsea, are we at a place now? Like, what, what is, is it? Here's a question, Chelsea. What do you watch? What are your what are your what are your positivity shows? You know, because I believe that there's so much stuff that's that's out there now where and you can correct me if I'm wrong because, you know, I don't have the same POV, but when I see black women thriving in shows within television, if we went just say insecure black lady sketch show Harlem, if we just went with those three out the gate, right? Then there was a time, if we look at the golden age of what I consider to be the golden age of black sitcoms, which is the nineties, where we go girlfriends and we go living single and we talk about comparative shows, there was that's like a nice solid 15 to 20 year, like, mm-hmm. I feel like we're at a time now where there are more roles that are positive, but is there still room for improvement? Yeah, I mean, I think there's always room for improvement, Roy. Uh, (laughs) You can always have more because it was funny, I think, um, Alfred, was it Alfred Woodard, I want to say, did recently did an interview with The Hollywood Reporter along with Lorenz Tate and some other, Mm -hmm. like, black famous people. And she was saying... We actually have more black content on TV like now than we've ever had just because with streamers, we have a lot more options than ever. But is that content actually being marketed to those people? Is it actually mm. getting out to the people that it needs to is the the bigger question because it's like we can have a million and one black shows, but are people do people know those shows are on and are they watching them because they know the shows are on? You know what I mean? So you know, I feel like there's definitely more that can be done on that side. Um, I always love to see more and more black content personally. Um, so I, I hope we have even more in the future. But in terms of like what I will be watching, you know, I love like All American. I like Harlem. I like Run the World. Um, Insecure, which you mentioned that just went off. So just like those kind of shows, I, I think just even more. Because I, I think as people have said, like, I, I you know, that we've had so many versions of like a sex in the city that are white, but we have not right. like, it's like we, now we have like, you know, one or two that are black and, and people are just kind of like, well, why we are we we have so many of these. And it's like, no, we don't, <laughs> no, we don't like in the grand scheme yeah. of things. We don't, we can have even more because there's more stories to be told, more nuance to be there. Um, and even within just like, what does it mean to be black? There's just so many things that are in there that have not been explored yet that I think we can have double the amount of content that we have right now, honestly. What are what are the blind spots that you see that remain right now within the industry, Tracy? I would love to see more black people in different genres. So like sci-fi, I think horror. I, I mean, my dream, honestly, is to do like a black assassin um thing so I, mm. I hope I get a chance to do that one day but 
Yeah, so I'm just trying to find ways of like taking us out of, even though I love comedy and that's like my roots, trying to take us out of just comedy and like put us in other genres as well. What can men do to create healthier spaces for black women? You know, I, I, I'll tell you what my battle is as, as, a, as a romantic partner. The mistake that I have sometimes made in dating has been woman is black, black, and I'm talking about dating black women is there is a problem that does not involve me that their energy is off. And the default sometimes as a man is to ignore the problem is to ignore the pain and try to solve the problem when that isn't necessarily what's needed in that moment. And what I've often failed at is trying to properly emote, hey, what do you need? How can I give you what you need? What mistakes do men, specifically black men, make when it comes to trying to relate to what black women are going through? You know, and I think that can kind of spill over to white men too if you work with one or date one. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely, I would say problems with all men, (laughs) but I would say, Specifically to black men, I think, I mean, there's a big conversation right now just about like kind of this divide that's happening where a lot of black women are feeling like black men don't have our backs. And like when it comes to like a lot of issues that are affecting black women, they don't show up for it. And then when it's in reverse, like, you know, say the go to issue that, you know, that I think black men always talk about is is police violence and anything like that in that arena. And whenever a black man is killed, um, you know, by cops, we always show up for it. We always rally because we don't look at it as like, well, it's a dude that died. That's not my problem. Like we don't, we don't look at it like that. It's like, we're all in a community together and we just want that same respect and same support. And it feels like there's a lot of crickets sometimes when it's an issue that, pertains to black women. And so I think we can start with just listening and supporting the way that we have historically done for black men. But Tracy, I wear my protect black women (laughs) t-shirt all the time. (laughs) Isn't that enough? Do you really? (laughs) (laughs) uh, (laughs) I, I, I do wish that there were larger conversations around that. And, you know, Chelsea, did that come up at all in the creating of this segment? It's just, you know, when we start talking about some of the solutions that lie there, I don't think that this is a problem that is solely for black women to solve and learn how to cope with as much as it is for people to quit doing the things that stress them the hell out. Did that conversation come up with Dulce and figuring out what parts of this segment uh, would ultimately make it on air? We didn't directly get into like how men play into it, but I do think it's an important aspect. Um, I do think to Tracy's point, the biggest thing is really to listen and also to uplift. Like, are you making sure that you are, if you're in a work setting, are you making sure that you're uplifting your black female coworker? Are her ideas getting put up there um, in front of everybody else? Is she getting promoted? And if you're getting promoted, are you making sure that, you know, she is as well or that people are at least keeping her in the conversations? Because I do think, you know, similar to when we did our Black and Corporate America podcast a few months ago that we brought up, Black men do get, um, you know, at the end of the day, a privilege for being men. 
that women just black women just don't have. We have a double it's a double jeopardy, right? So I, I think men in general, um, but especially to black men, make sure that you are actively trying to do something to help out your fellow black women, whether that's at work, whether that's at home, whether you know that's on the internet and helping to actually protect black women. Um, you know, I, I think like that's really the honest is on men in that regard. I, I don't know, the, the only thing I've ever known to do, you know, and, you know, and Chelsea, you've met my girlfriend. Like, it, there, she, she professionally, she swims in waters that I know nothing about, that I cannot relate to. I don't know anything about the fashion industry. I don't know anything about some purchase order drama with with Bloomingdale's and the boat is doing U-turns in the ocean because of COVID and the shoes didn't get to the whatever place in time. But what I can do is try to take every other worry off your plate in the house. So I do that, I guess. And, you know, like I try to help, but like, is there, how can men, what are the ways in which, and, and this just isn't even in a dating capacity. This is co-working capacity. These are your best friend's capacity. How can you acknowledge someone's resiliency and their strength without making it seem like it's something that, well, yeah, you need to be strong because I'm going to keep it like, are there ways to positively acknowledge someone's resiliency without it seeming like you're taking a dig at what they're going through? I would say, you, I guess, you know like, what I mean? Like you show a lot handling yeah. that stress. Good way to go. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not trying to make it sound <laughs> yeah. like that. And that's, and I'm a, you know, sometimes it may say, and I don't want that. So are there ways, do you wait until it's a non-stressful time to acknowledge observations you saw when they were stressed? Like what are the ways that we can extend grace to others? I would say that I think asking what do you need help with yep. is very undervalued um, <laughs> and can definitely be asked a lot more, um, especially by in like a dating or a spouse or, you know, situation. It's just like, what can I do to help you? Um, because sometimes that's a lot better of a question than how are you feeling or something? Um, it's easier to express, I would definitely say. And then I would also say, you know, like learning in terms of like, you know, it, with your girlfriend who works in fashion, like maybe learning, you know, not learning everything, but learning some of the ins and outs of fashion is also helpful. Like, I know when I told my parents that I wanted to be in entertainment, my dad went on like a whole TV and film binge. Like now he watches like everything <laughs> and he sends me articles of the Hollywood Report. Like, you know, but he was like very invested. He's like, well, this is what you want to do. You're my daughter, I'm invested in you. So I'm going to make sure that I know, I keep abreast and I, I know the latest that's going on in your industry and I'm going to try and help you out as best as I can. Wow. Um, and he did that without me asking him. I mean, obviously, that's, you know, father, daughter, of course. But I do think it's a it's a good um, thing to practice for most men. It's just like, are you actually, you know, making sure that you're interested in what your um, significant other or your coworker is interested in and, and trying to help them as best as you can? Because the more you learn, the more you know. Yeah, exactly that. I, I would I'm just going to basically echo what you're saying, but I think. Even acknowledging someone in that way helped so much because I think, especially in professional environments, there's not enough like personal check-ins. Like, you know, how are you doing? How can I help? Is there any way that I can assist or be an advocate? And I think, you know, just a man approaching a woman with curiosity 
and like a genuine interest in helping or understanding or just empathy is already a big step. We can feel alone and we can feel like we don't have a safe space in which to open up or to express some of these vulnerabilities. And so if someone comes and says like, I want to have that type of relationship where you can, you know, trust and, and, and know that I have your back, it automatically opens up like, you know, uh, I think for a woman, just kind of like a safe space and a vulnerability to relax and be yourself in a way that you're not if you don't know that safe space is there. Because we're kind of taught to like keep our defenses up and, and keep our walls up until we know we trust you because- right. You know, we're not going to just open up to anybody. But if you if you come and say, look, I got your back like that automatically disarms me and and it makes me feel like, all right, I have a friend when it comes to relationships. um, What I'm discovering is that a lot of men, I don't know if it's a black male thing or man thing, but sometimes like men don't even think women have needs. Which, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is like, mm-hmm. I, I yeah. think that's crazy, but I'm starting to realize I'm like, oh, wow. Cause I think men are really sometimes very comfortable and emoting about their needs and what they, what their expectations are of women. But I don't know if, uh, I know I wasn't socialized as much as men have been socialized to demand my needs in a relationship or to be upfront about like, Ooh. you know, what I need a partner to bring to the table. It's always like, well, let me groom myself to be a good partner for a man, but we need mm-hmm. to shift that conversation because women have needs as well. We, we broke it down a couple of ways that men could help. I'm going to use that one about, uh, yeah, so what do you need from me? Well, okay, <laughs> yeah, don't sprinkle that one into the conversation later on. How can women help women? Yeah. Are there what are what do you all do to decompress? Let's just in there. I know we talk about self care and therapy is a little more. I think we're past the point of the conversation of therapy being a zeitgeisty thing. I really do think yeah. it's getting through to people now. But what are some of the things that you all do, just when the world is stressing you out? I guess I would say therapy, um, <laughs> but um, also. You know, I feel like that for me, that's what media is like. That's what I that's why I watch TV and that's why I watch films is kind of it's a form of escapism. Um, Also, being in community with like, you know, my friends that helps out a lot. And just being able to have a safe space where I can talk to people about anything and everything. And whether it's, you know, negative, positive, all of that, I think is really important. And then other than that, you know, I would just say trying to protect my peace as best as I can um, <laughs> is like the biggest thing. Yeah, sometimes you got to send people to voicemail. Ain't yes. nothing wrong with that. Yes. Family included. Family love to think that they just get an automatic carte blanche answer. No, you don't. I also think physical exercise is really mm, useful. Mm-hmm. And mm. it took me a long time, <laughs> way too long, to see the link between my like the moments where I'm depressed and then when I'm also the laziest I've ever been. And so I'm like, oh, okay. So I guess you do have to fight it because sometimes your instinct when you're not feeling great 
is to, to not work out because it's like, well, why would I do something else that I hate? And <laughs> but <laughs> what, what I'm realizing now is that you get endorphins from it and then find a, an exercise doesn't have to be the traditional way that you hate. It, there, it can just be walking outside. It can be going dancing with some friends. Just move your body and get that like negative energy out. As far as how women can help other women, I think we gotta like take out that like like scarcity mindset that you know we can only have mm-hmm. one at a time. I think that's been the most harmful thing that women ever have ever been taught is that we have to be competitive with each other, that there's not space for all of us. So I think in the workplace, like take that energy out and just go in there with good intentions and trying to, you know, be an ally with women and, and figure out how you guys can work together and create things together versus I'm going to take this bitch out. Like, I I think that's just like a really unproductive, negative way to live. (laughs) Like when the other black woman gets hired at the place you work, hello, it's only one of us can survive girl. Right. Right. (laughs) Um, I'll also add deep breathing is very underrated. Deep breathing yes. for like 10 minutes a night. I've recently started doing it. Um, very helpful. And then also sleep. Very mm-hmm. underrated. Like making sure that you get your rest. Very, Did, very important. Isn't there a nap church? There's some church, uh, some ministry that just started. Nap ministry. Yeah. Yeah, the nap ministry. They're on yeah. Twitter. <laughs> Wait, what is, what is this? It's a nap church where they just oh. nap once a day and talk about the importance of napping. And they, they've tied it into spirituality somehow. I'm going to try and join that church <laughs> so that I can get a nap at work. And then they can't fire me, me because of my religion. There you go. <laughs> you figured it out, Roy. That's perfect. Well, thank you so much, ladies, for this wonderful, wonderful conversation. We will be watching Harlem on Amazon Prime. And thank you all yes. both for taking us beyond the scenes. Thank you. Thank you, Roy. Listen to The Daily Show Beyond the Scenes on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. You've probably heard a lot about electrified vehicles lately. Well, Toyota has electrified options for every lifestyle. We've got hybrids, no plug needed. But we also have plug-in hybrids, if that's your thing. (laughs) You can even go 100% electric in the Toyota BZ4X. With so many options for reducing carbon emissions, Toyota is electrified, diversified. Learn more about our Beyond Zero vision for the future at toyota.com slash beyondzero.